Hello, and welcome to the OnTech Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton, the Executive Director of the OnTech Center for Protective Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of protective intelligence through conversations with leaders in the security field. I'm Fred Bergen, and now on to the podcast. Hey everyone, Fred Burton here. Today we're wrapping up Women's History Month to announce an exciting twist to our podcast. I am joined by Dr. Marisa Randazzo, the Executive Director of Antic Center for Excellence, to share the launch of our Women Who Protect podcast series. It's no secret that the security industry has been a male-dominated field in decades past and continues to be today. But as time has passed, more and more women are emerging as leaders in the industry helping to implement transformational shifts that underpin the future of the world of safety, security, and protection. Marisa, welcome. Fred, thank you so much. I'm so excited to to be with you and to announce this launch today. Oh my goodness, I'm excited about it as well. Marisa, prior to Sigma joining the OnTick family, you were actually a podcast guest and a protective intelligence honor pioneer. So some of our listeners may already be familiar with you, but if not, could you share a bit of background on yourself? Absolutely. Uh, As you mentioned, Sigma is now part of the Ontic family, but prior to that, Sigma was a a company that I founded after 10 years of uh, time with the U.S. Secret Service. So I actually got into the field of security first through federal law enforcement. And and in a way, that was by accident. I got in through an internship when I was a graduate student and not all that keen on what I was doing in my graduate program and poked around for different internship opportunities and found that I could volunteer my time at the U.S. Secret Service at a a graduate student internship. And and was there for a year and then qualified for a position and, and rose up the ranks. Um, and, and after that, uh, left the Secret Service because the job was really demanding. I had a, um, I was married and, and my husband and I were looking to start a family and decided that it would be better to be able to do the security work uh, and under my own banner. And so I, I created Sigma. And after running Sigma for, for 10 years, um, we now are delighted to be part of the Ontic family. The background is part of why I, I think it's going to be so important for us to be running this podcast on women who protect, because there are so many women in all aspects of security and law enforcement who have interesting stories of how they got started. And, and that's what I think we're really going to be able to, to get a chance to do. Well, for sure, uh, Marisa, I know when I started, uh, there were very few female agents that uh, were part of any of our protective operations. It was the same with the Secret Service. Uh, When I was there, um, only 20% of all agents were women. And one of the things that I learned back in, this is back in the 90s and then the early 2000s when I was there full time, was that there were far more women who started in the position, but I think in part because of the the nonstop 24-7 demands of a position within the U.S. Secret Service, especially as an agent, 
for many women, they opted to eventually leave those positions and, and leave the agency. And looking through it, it was something that I know the Secret Service leadership themselves were were frustrated by. They wanted to be able to bring more women into leadership ranks, keep them in leadership ranks, and they were challenged to figure out what to do about that. Yeah, for sure. And I know when I broke away from the government uh, in late 98, early 1999, uh, you were hard pressed to find um, females that were chief security officers. Yeah, no question. And and we still are, are woefully underrepresented today. You know, it's interesting as I've thought back through how I got into the field of security, which is so much as what we want to use this this new podcast series to delve into. It really was by accident. And I think that may be a common theme among women, certainly who are who've grown into leadership positions in security now, but it's something that I think we can help to to address. I know that growing up as a high school student, elementary school student, law enforcement careers and security careers were not things that were actively promoted to girls and young women at the time. Not that they couldn't do it, but it just was not top of mind for, hey, have you ever thought about this field of work or this possible career? And I, I think what we're going to have a chance to do here is talk with women who are leaders in security at all different levels in all different aspects of security and protection and get to hear their stories of, of how they get on, got, in, got into the field and, and the advice that they would give to girls and young women coming along now. Yeah, very good point. And I know when I was a cop before I was an agent, uh, the females that wanted to be detectives had to start out in the youth division, basically uh, saddled with uh, running down runaways. You know, they weren't in homicide or, or robbery division. Yeah. And Fred, I'll tell you that, that I'm old enough to have been shaped by the very popular TV series, Charlie's Angels, which then became a, a popular <laughs> movie. But I don't know if you remember that that intro sequence where, you know, three little girls went to the police academy and were all given, you know, intense jobs. And what you see is footage of them working desk jobs and typing and, and, and really being pigeonholed into a certain type of case. Fortunately, the field has advanced beyond that now, but I think we have a chance to really start to help share these stories, expose the broad range of options of careers within law enforcement, security, national security, global security, that can really help girls and young women coming along to think about career paths they may not have considered at all up to this point. Absolutely. Marisa, tell our audience about the female mentors you've had in your career and what's been some of the best advice you've received. Well, I'll tell you, I got some really interesting advice. A couple of wonderful uh, female mentors that I had in my career, particularly in my time with the Secret Service. So I was brought on board as a graduate student intern by um, a woman, Dr. Margaret Coggins, who was running the behavioral research program with the Secret Service when I first joined. And I happened to have met Margaret at a professional conference. She was there attending. I was there as a graduate student attending and had gotten involved in, in the graduate students component of this professional organization. It was the American Psychology Law Society. And through this conference, got to meet Margaret and got to hear about what she did for the Secret Service and then discovered 
that they had a graduate student internship program. It was competitive. You had to apply, but she encouraged me to, to reach out and, and apply for it. And I did. And, and I got to work under her as my supervisor as an intern for a year. And she really helped me to navigate the agency, to understand the quirks, understand what I, what I should and shouldn't do, um, and, and to, to become successful. And, and on that question about good advice, she gave me some advice that at the time I didn't understand, but I followed. And that was at least within the Secret Service when I first started, because I was starting as a psychologist. She said, people are going to come to you and immediately want answers and advice. My best guidance to you is spend the first six months to a year just listening, keeping your mouth shut. And she wasn't saying that I couldn't give advice, but she said that the tendency would be for agents to reach out to, to a psychologist. You're a psychologist. You much, must know X, Y, and Z. And she said, the best way you can establish your credibility long-term is to listen first, get to understand what it is that these agents are tasked with doing day in and day out, the risks they face, the challenges they have to overcome. And then after you've really had a couple of months of, of listening and absorbing, then start to give advice and guidance and give it in a way that's a suggestion rather than what you need to do is the following. And I have used that advice and guidance to this day in, in different, uh, in navigating new situations that I've encountered professionally. And the interesting aspect of that, you made me flash back to, and you and I have chatted about this in the past, I can remember walking outside of St. Elizabeth Hospital after interviewing an individual that has made a threat to a cabinet-level official and not having any idea whatsoever whether or not that individual was a threat and looking for and hoping that someone like you in your position would help me make sense of whether or not this person does pose a threat. And that's exactly what I used to do for the Secret Service. It's exactly what I built Sigma to help private clients do. And it's exactly what we help clients do now as part of the Ontic family is really do that threat assessment, threat management, figure out this person said something really scary. Are they actually going to go forward with something violent? And most importantly, if so, what can we do to mitigate it? And it's an entire field that, that, you know, that we're helping to create awareness around and helping people understand that there are these processes. They are based on research. They are based on decades of practice. You know, we've, we've brought over a whole team from Sigma to, underneath the, the Ontic banner now who have, who have done this work for decades. They've sat in that interview room. They've brought someone over to St. Elizabeth's. They've talked with them directly They've done other investigative work to figure out, is this person a real potential violence risk? Are they going to try to assassinate a, a, a public official or public figure? Are they stalking someone? Are they looking to carry out some sort of mass attack in their workplace, at a school? And then what can we do to stop them? Because it's absolutely possible that to get them off that pathway to violence, which is the, the terminology we use in the field and keep them off that pathway to violence. So yes, Fred, as you were bringing people over to, to St. Elizabeth's, which is the place we had to bring so many people who were clearly very, very mentally ill, but also potentially violent or a potentially risk to themselves or, or both, um, that, that there were those of us behind the scenes doing that analysis and helping to figure out a, a way forward to, to, to keep everyone safe. 
Yeah, doing tremendous work uh, behind the scenes. And I, I must say, Marisa, that uh, one of the biggest changes or shifts I've seen in this space in, well, since we transitioned the the model to the private sector, the protective intelligence model, is the creation of the protective intelligence analysts in, the, in this field. And, and I've ran into so many women that are doing this job now in the private sector. And I think that that's one of the more uh, fascinating shifts in the industry that I've seen and they're doing really, really good work for, you know, the Fortune 1000s. Well, and, and protective intelligence analysts and, and at Secret Service, we would call them intelligence research specialists or protective intelligence research specialists. They are an absolutely vital position. And I think you're right. I'm seeing more and more women go into those positions. And I have a guess as to why that might be the case. But, but I think really going through this podcast will get a much better sense of, of whether that is. I think positions like that, where you are not on the front lines and and not on a you know at the beck and call, but twenty your your cell phone having to be on twenty four seven necessarily work in shifts and and there are other teams to support. You're not necessarily a frontline agent or operative or, or officer. That in those positions, they can be positions where you are directly working in security and and working to protect but at the same time are able to have a little bit more work-life balance. So you can also have a, a, a family, you can be raising young kids and, and still do the work that you need to. Now, that's my guess. And again, I, I think we're going to have a chance to really talk with these different podcasts, guests who come share their stories with us. But that may be part of, of why that aspect, we're seeing much more parity in, in male-female representation in, in those analyst roles. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, Marisa, what do you think is holding more women back from joining the security industry, specifically in higher ranking positions? So I think part of it is within the security industry, it really is important to, to bring some experience in to be able to qualify for those high ranking positions. And maybe you could get it, but you wouldn't necessarily have the respect of, of a new team that you're called in to lead. So I think being able to spend time earlier in your career, whether it's in private security, corporate security, or working up through local law enforcement, state law enforcement, federal law enforcement, other protective operations, to bring some of that experience to a, a, a security job generally can help you work up the ranks. But I also think that we are just not doing a good job. Those of us in the field, you, myself, all of our colleagues within the security field, I think we could do a better job of just promoting the full breadth of positions that are available in this field and how exciting and gratifying it can be to work in security, national security, law enforcement, however you get into the field, the, the great work you can do in that field. Because I think girls and young women simply are not aware of those options as much as they are aware of the more traditional lines of going into, you know, becoming a lawyer, a, a medical doctor, a, you know, school psychologist, uh, anything like that, that we can do a better job of, of helping to raise that awareness and promote the field as something that girls and young women can consider. Well, Women Who Protect podcast series is due to launch here pretty quickly. Can you give us a little bit uh, background on perhaps some of the guests coming and, and when will it actually launch? 
Well, it's going to launch in April. Uh, our plan is for this to be a monthly episode. We will be announcing our guests soon. We've got a couple of, of great women lined up from different aspects of security, uh, people who've specialized in corporate security and uh, tracking stalkers uh, and national security. I don't want to name them yet because I want people to come back and, and take a look. We will be announcing this on all of our social media channels, um, but I'm very excited to put for uh, for the guests that we have coming up. Well, that's awesome. So am I. Dr. Marisa Randazzo, Women Who Protect podcast series is coming soon. Stay tuned and thank you. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.com co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Monte Verde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smokin' Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.ai or visit ontic.co slash center for more information. I'm Fred Burton. Thanks for listening.